guys, start your engines! Get the pace car! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Drafting the Circus program. My name is Frank Santorowski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past week in racing and preview next week. Joining me in the studio, I have Mr. Joey Barnes, Mr. Luis Torres, and last but not least, my good friend Richard Uden. Hey, how's it going? Hola. Hola. Yo. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about uh, Formula One back in the United States on a, a new venue. I mean, you know, Formula One is that we discussed the other week. It's been in a number of different venues. Miami, this is a new one. We had a very interesting looking race course that, you know, from from a distance, look almost like a little train set, you know, with little fake water and little fake boats and and, and everything. But, uh, you know, you know, we did get the race in. It had a huge event status. And there were some um, European fans who felt it was a little too garish and a little too too much event status and a little too little too showy. But but heck, that's you know that's how we like stuff in America. You just I mean watch the, <laughs> watch the watch the Super Bowl sometimes. See all the pomp and circumstance at the Super Bowl, you know. So, but uh, at the end of the day, it was Max Verstappen, uh, you know, wrecking the Ferrari one-two front row party. Um, and uh, Verstappen kind of cutting a little bit into uh, Leclerc's um, points lead, but uh, Leclerc's still pretty healthily out front. I believe he's about 15 points ahead. So, Richard, let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about Miami. Well, the uh, yeah, Grand Prix of Miami. It was there was a social gathering and a race broke out in the background. Um, you know, it was pretty incredible to to see all the A-list celebrities there and uh, all the great and good of uh, you know. The like, but uh, yeah, no. I mean, at the end of the day, it's 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 exposure, and I think it was the largest. The the, the viewing figures for it were over in the US over two million, which is unheard of for a live Formula One race. I, I know it's normally under a million, I believe. So uh, great viewing figures there, which is the aim, name of the game when Liberty Media want to try and crack the US. They want to get the exposure to it. You know, all the teams really bought onto it with. Some instances, special liveries, the drivers had special helmets, you know, special merchandise, if you could afford it. Um, if you could afford <laughs> it, yeah. I have, I have at least yeah. one friend that uh, that went down to the race this weekend, and I will uh, a little later tell you some of his impressions on yeah, mer- merchandise and, 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 and food. food and but his, the one odd comment he made was that Formula One exhaust smells like bong water. And I'm okay. <laughs> I know that's what I said. All right, so I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to ask. You know, I don't know. I don't. Friends. I don't. I don't know what bong water smells like. No, no I'm I not know no marijuana, but, but but that was uh, of yeah. all his comments. That's the one that just kind of stuck with me. I'm like, really? Okay. 
But, uh, <laughs> let's, let's I mean, pause it, it that is one Florida. Back to it later. Yeah, yeah. Let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's let that one marinate a little bit. Let's talk about the race. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what but, Joey uh, said. It is Florida. Florida is Florida. There's nothing to it. Exactly. Like this nice weather. This is true. Yeah. You sure? Yeah. I mean, it was. You know, you, you mentioned there, Frank, about the the the, the whole setup. Or looked like almost like a model train set. Which you know, I, I, I can see that. Yeah. It was, um, but you know, fundamentally the track, I think it was a pretty good track. There was, you'd have thought, God, they would have learned after Singapore that you don't put those stupid little sausage curb chicanes in there because they really don't serve a purpose. And here they are again. Um, I think that'll go for next year. And, and you know, the, the nice thing about these tracks like this is, you know, making changes to them isn't particularly hard because all you have to do is move a concrete barrier. Pretty much, it's more to it than that. I know, but fundamentally, it's not a huge change, um, and you know, it's not like a, a a real street course where you'd have to demolish a house or fill in a harbour like they have in Monaco, um, and it's not like a you know a normal uh, road either road course where you know you've got trees and all that sort of stuff to have to worry about. So I think you know they can make they can tweak the track a little bit and refine it. And I think we'll get pretty close to being something that's uh, you know really, really competitive and entertaining. Um, you know, a couple of in, a couple of issues with the track surface, but nothing too much. I mean, it was interesting reading some of the comments. Um, you know, one of the big issues with the track surface being different from what they normally use was actually uh, a lot of the Florida Department of Transportation regulations for how they could build the road and the the materials all had to be locally sourced and all this sort of stuff. So they couldn't ship in the, the asphalt from, from, you know, the countries like they do, you know, in, in Saudi Arabia and, and then some of these other new tracks we've been to. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was kind of interesting, but uh, yeah, on the whole, I thought it was a decent track, you know, still room for improvement, but, uh, you know, and some fundamentally there's some pretty good racing, um, you know, throughout the weekend, uh, you know, the Ferraris obviously had the better in qualifying. Max had a, I don't know whether it was a mistake per se or just didn't have the speed in the car during qualifying. But as we saw in Imola a couple of weeks ago, you know, Max's race pace is is pretty stout, and that straight line speed that the you know the Honda engine has. I mean, who thought who would have thought we would have said that? You know, Honda engine, which I know it's not badged as a Honda anymore, but it fundamentally is. Uh, the Honda engine has the best straight line speed in the. On the grid, uh, you know, especially with the combine it with that um, slippery Red Bull Aero package and Max's ability to drive a car on the edge. I thought he had a you know really really impressive performance, and say similar to Imola. And if he keeps this up through the next three or four races, um, he'll certainly catch uh, Charles Leclerc, Leclerc pretty quickly because it didn't really look like they had much on paper for him uh, during the race. Um, there was the potential of a safety car scenario that could have um you know put the ball back into the ferrari hands but unfortunately uh ferrari didn't have any fresh medium or soft tires to run on those last what 10 15 laps or so uh post safety car and um so that really sort of scuppered the ferrari's chances perez did have the option at the end there he was sitting in fourth to come in and pit and put some fresh tires on but I think he had a, an engine issue of some sort, maybe on the electrical side through the hybrid system, which cost him quite a bit of time and quite a bit of power, which you know meant he was unable to battle with those two Ferraris ahead of him. So 
you know, it, it was a good, solid race. Everybody sort of sat in the right sort of places and, and, and got through um, the weekend pretty unscathed. A couple of issues. You know, Ocon had a big accident on the Saturday morning ahead of qualifying. And he was surprised. There's a couple of the areas of the track there without Tech Pro Barrier. And um, he actually suffered from a, sh- a cracked chassis um, from a 51G impact, which is really on a court on a modern circuit like that shouldn't be happening. I really do think they need to, again, and they'll learn from it, uh, put these Tech Pro barriers in uh, in place. I say they'll learn from it. I'm sure that really um, appeases the Renault and the Alpine engineers that have to rebuild a you know complete monocot because it's, it's cracked in two. Yeah, I mean, that but, was that, um, that was a heck of a hit he took there. And, science and, and, had and a again, hit as yeah, well so. in exactly the same spot. Yeah, Science had a big hit in the same spot. And it wasn't like a huge impact like you saw Mick Schumacher have in Saudi Arabia a couple of weeks ago. You know, it wasn't a massive impact. It was just clumsy in a way. And it was just that instantaneous impact with the wall. And the fact there, was, there wasn't any tech pro, it was just pure concrete, um, you know, certainly was, was the issue there. Uh, so I'm sure they'll change that going forward. But, uh, you know, maybe it could have been a little bit smarter and a bit more proactive uh, with, with doing that, you know, because these are the things that cause issues these days in Formula One. You know, these unusual accidents and these accidents that aren't predictable. You know, you're looking back at maybe something like Roman Grosjean's accident, you know, in Bahrain a few years ago. It's, you know, you could never predict an impact like that. And you're probably, they didn't impact, uh, or they didn't predict impacts like uh, Carlos Sainz and uh, Esteban Ocken had there. But, uh, you know, obviously they can. And I'm sure they'll address that going into next year. But, uh, yeah, on the whole, I think it was a pretty good race. A couple of little clumsy incidences. I think it was Gasly got some damage in contact with Alonso and then I don't know if something failed and he hit Norris with a few laps to go, but it was pretty spectacular. Lando Norris was very lucky he didn't hit the wall a lot harder than he did and, um, uh, you know, walked away from that. Of course, that led to the late safety car, which sort of shuffled the pack and, uh, and played right into George Russell's hands there. And, you know, he managed to get another really good result, outscored Lewis Hamilton again. Mr. Sussex is turning into Mr. Sunday. He's outperformed his qualifying position every every race so far this season, and has been and, and, out in the, and in the I, races. And I believe he's outperformed his teammate in every race this season. Uh, I thought Hamilton got one podium, didn't they? Uh, he may have. He may have. The but first yeah, race but, of the season, I think yeah, Hamilton I sort of the inherited the after both Perez and Verstappen retired. But uh, yeah, on the whole, I think Russell has been pretty damn impressive this season, and. Uh, you know, not spectacular, but solid. Uh, you know, obviously the glimpses that we saw of him in Mercedes in Bahrain a couple of years ago, you know, we all knew the kid has has raw pace, um, but he just needs to, you know, he's, he's doing it in the smart, methodical way, which I'm so sure is delighting the guys at uh, Mercedes, the way he's going about it. But, uh, you know, a lot of credit there. Um, Mick Schumacher and Seb Vettel had a clumsy accident with a couple of laps to go. Um, Mick sort of dived down the inside into turn one, pretty opportunistic move to tell you the truth. And and Seb sort of turned in on him and they collided and unfortunately put them both out of the race, which I think that would have resulted in uh, Mick scoring his first points as a Formula One driver, which I think he's deserved. You know, he certainly showed, uh, he, you know, it was staged Magnus, and I think it's pretty fair to say this last weekend. And he's getting there, you know, it's still a, Still a learning curve for him. I mean, he's not in a particularly good... Last year, he was in a very poor car. So you've got to 
wonder what he's really learned. So in, in many ways, this is almost would be considered a rookie year for him. And especially with having the new car, you know, there's a lot to learn there. So the fact he's now in a position to fight with other drivers and look at these top 10 positions, I think, uh, you know, he'll get points this season. And I think it'll be, on a, you know, as the season goes. And you're certainly seeing in that mid-pack, you know, one week McLaren's really strong as they were in Imola, and then the next week they're weak, and then Haas can be strong one week, and then you know weaker the following. And uh, there's certainly points up for grabs as uh, Alex Albon showed. You know he he got a ninth place finish there after Alonso had a couple of penalties, uh, but a really again, you know two out of three weeks uh, or two out of three races, you know strong performance there from Albon. Um, you know finishing tenth, eleventh, and ninth in the last three races. So. You really, you know, he's he's stepping up there and has taken that team leader role and and is really putting Nicholas Latifi to shame, really. And you know, there must be concerns about Latifi's long term future there in the team, despite how much money his family brings into the sport. You know, if they can find other sponsors, then um, his position, I think, could be in a little bit of jeopardy. But, oh, uh, certainly, yeah. No, another guy, whole, another yeah, another guy with a really good run uh, this weekend was uh, your old friend Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. And yeah, he, he, it, have, he was fifth, I think, for a long time. And then when the two Mercedes were, were squabbling behind him, he openly admitted that he was watching their battle and lost concentration and uh, and clipped the wall and unfortunately lost those two spots. But yeah, Valtteri, again, solid, you know, probably reveling a little bit out being outside of Lewis Hamilton's shadow and not having that pressure on him and being able to drive how he wants to drive in a, in a you know and aggressively and flat out in the way that he wants to and yeah certainly living up to expectation there and you know you often wonder when guys drop down from a top team into and no disrespect to Alfa Romeo here a, a mid-pack team how are they going to perform and you know you see some guys just drift off into retirement um then you see other guys like Valtteri who you know really proved that you know he's he's still got it you know He's he's in the right place and um, yeah, very very impressive and uh, long may that continue. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And and again, I, I think that he's uh, you know he's of course benefited from the fact that uh, you know they're associated with Ferrari. Ferrari's got a better car this year, so we see the Haas is a little better than it had been. So was the Alpha, but I, I mean you know Valtteri looks better than Kimi has the last couple of years in the Alpha. Oh, for sure, for yeah. sure, and then. And it's, you know, it's, it's a difficult one because he does have a pretty of an unknown quantity there in Guangzhou Zhou as a teammate. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, the, the car may be even quicker than Valtteri is making it out to be. You know, it, it's a difficult one to, to quantify. But, you know, he's doing what he needs to do. And, um, yeah, very, very impressive. I don't think you could ask for any more from him so far this season. All right. So let's talk about Mercedes a little bit. So here we are. With uh, five, five, six races into the season now, yep, five races. We, 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 we've yet to have a Mercedes win, which is, uh, you know, by by their standard, uh, you know, absolutely ridiculous. You know, it's usually right in the hybrid area. area yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, and they're 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 of course, you know, falling behind out of the championship. So, uh, uh, it is it is a long season. You know, there's there's obviously development that goes on during the season. I mean, they're not that far off the mark, you know. They're they've but they've dropped to the third best team. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I mean, and I think on average they're third best, but any given week they're probably fourth best. You know, as I say, there's, you know, some week McLaren is up there, other week, you know, the, the Alpines have been pretty competitive, other weeks the Alfa Moreos have been competitive, uh, you know. But yeah, on, on, as the average out of those first five races, yes, I, I, I agree with you there, Frank. They're, they're probably the fifth, oh, sorry, the third best team. And, you know, there's, Obviously, there is a fundamental um, lack of understanding. Is lack of understanding the right word? Issue with that car that they don't fully have a grasp on, and they probably didn't expect from you know all the simulation and the wind tunnel work and the um, development work they've done probably over the last eighteen months on that car. And, you know, you're seeing the issues there. So I, I firmly believe, again, that come, you know, the middle of the season, the end of the season, they'll be, you know, fighting for wins and there or thereabouts come come the, the end of the season, you know, middle of the season and definitely by the end of the season. But uh, it, it, it's certainly interesting to see that dynamic of how, um, you know, the drivers react, how Lewis reacts, how George Russell reacts, but, you know, He's probably just glad not to be running last every week. You know, he's glad to be running fifth. Um, oh, certainly, yeah, he, yeah, he, uh, yeah. Russell is is, happy, is a happy camper right now. He's he's yeah. He's got a oh, yeah. great great car compared compared to where he's been. But but yeah. I but I kind of wonder about you know the long term future for Lewis then because here's a guy who doesn't have many records left to break. The only one left is to get that eighth championship, and that is. Pretty much, you know, just about out of uh, out of reach for this year. I mean, how long does he? Year, yeah. yeah, how long does he stick around? Um, you know, and, and obviously, particularly if the car doesn't get much better, uh, you know, you know, through the year, because here's a guy that can walk away and have nothing to be ashamed of. You know what I mean? And and here's uh, and again, here's a guy who uh, last season, you know, left him with a bit of a bitter taste in his mouth the way it all went down at the end of the year. So uh, you got to wonder what his uh, what his motivation is right now, or, or what his oh. level level of motivation is right now. Without any hesitation, and I think Lewis is one of those guys without knowing him personally, but he. Um, um, you know, he 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 gets rattled. I think you know the whole, and we still don't know exactly what happened in like 2016 with the whole Ros or 2015. It really started in 2016 with the whole Rosberg dynamic within the team. Why team members were moved around in the way they were, and, and what led to that pretty nasty situation there. And then, of course, Rosberg pulled the ultimate trump card and said, "Oh, by the way, Lewis." I'm off. Bye. Um, you know, it's like retiring as, you know, it's like being the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world in boxing and then retiring, you know, uh, nobody's going to beat you. And, you know, you go out on top and it just, 
it must just grate with Lewis that. And then, of course, what happened last year with Max um, was, you know, we talked about this, man. You know, it was difficult. I mean, fundamentally, I think personal opinion is that Max was the better driver throughout the course of last season. Probably deserved to win on that level. Whether he deserved to win based on the events of Abu Dhabi, I don't know. But, you know, Lewis will look at that with this sort of frustrated mindset, I think, about, uh, you know, he, he could easily be a nine-time world champion already. And, you know, he's not. And, and I don't know where that motivation is going to come from, whether, it, whether he's motivated to right those wrongs or if he's, or they're just going to stew on him. And at the end of the day, if Mercedes can't deliver him a car, which they haven't at the moment, um, there needs to be a clear understanding and a clear direction as to where they're going to go. Now, he does have a multiple-year contract, I believe. So he does have a contract through to at least the end of 2023. So, mind you, contracts, as we all know, are only uh, even worth the, the, the paper they're written on. So who knows what's going to happen? But he certainly needs that motivation. And He's not getting that at the moment. Um, and then some of the dynamics with team, especially on the team radio, don't quite sit right. You know, they were like in the middle of the race, he was asking about strategy and he's like, and they turned around to him and said, well, what do you think? And he's like, well, that's not my job. You know, do what, you, you know, obviously he can provide input to the teams in terms of tyre performance and, and durability and all this sort of stuff. But fundamentally, these teams have highly skilled, highly paid strategy engineers to make that call. And um, then on the other side of the garage, you see George Russell basically saying, hey, let's stay out, guys, hope for a safety car and see what happens. And they did, and it worked out perfectly for him. So there must be some frustrations going on there within Lewis uh, yeah. Hamilton's mindset, for sure. Yeah, and, now, uh, now, yeah, Joey, I was going to see if Joey or uh, Louise want to chime in, because Richard and I have been uh, dominating the conversation. I didn't want to forget that you guys are here. But, Joey, go ahead. Yeah, no, um, so a few things on the Lewis Hamilton front that I'm just – this is just kind of my own personal opinion. I'm probably wrong. But when you look at the previous era when he was the most dominant, this I, I struggle to give him full credibility for that car. Um, and a lot of that comes because when you look at the time that Schumacher and, and Rosberg were teammates, a lot of that job that Schumacher and them were doing were to build to that point of the old era of car. And once it was there and once it was on – all you had to do is keep tweaking it as we saw, like you didn't have to do anything radical with it to make the, the massive advancements year over year. You just had to keep fine tuning it. So Lewis came into pretty much an already assertive situation where he knew he was going to a place that he could just go and win challenge for championships, win a bunch of championships, be a front runner every week. And I just kind of look at that point, And then I look at this and I'm thinking to myself, there's no Rosberg, there's no Schumacher. So this car's development, that he's driving at Mercedes right now is strictly on his feedback, his views, the stuff that he told the engineers. So he's essentially reaping what he sows, in my opinion, when you look at what they're running. Equally, I just don't see the same hunger out of him, the same drive, the same fire. Now, it's still early days, and, you know, we've not really ever known Lewis to come out of the gate swinging, really. I mean, Usually it's a Ferrari that even during the, the big Mercedes era of wins and championships, it was always a Ferrari or Red Bull that came out of the gate swinging and Mercedes around race three, four, five, you know, they get to hitting their stride and off they go. But I just look at this current situation and I, I just, 
you, you've got to be more impressed with where Ferrari's grown and the fact that Red Bull's been able to maintain. And I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that they've got guys that they knew let's, let's develop based on what we feel. Leclerc, what are you feeling? Verstappen, what are you feeling? Where do you want to go with this? What do you think about this? You know, what are we looking for from, from a drivability standpoint? How's the aero engine standpoint, all those things being in unison and there is dysfunction at Mercedes. And I think some of that does come down to Lewis. Um, you know, he's the leader of that team. And so I think that the fact that Russell came in there, like you said, he's probably not happy not to be at the back. Um, so this really does, in my opinion, come down to Lewis. And so I don't see the fire. I don't see the drive. Maybe it'll be there, but right now I'm, I'm not really impressed with what I'm seeing. Can they win races later this year? Absolutely. But I'd be hard pressed to say that this isn't more than a two team race from here on out, as we've seen in the past, that's usually how it goes. I think that you're looking at Mercedes and McLaren as the battle for third and the constructor right now. Yeah, no, I think, I think you're right though. It's, it is interesting to see that mentality and that drive, you know, <clears throat> you can't be a Formula one driver at these levels that these guys are doing and just go through the motions. Um, and any sport, any professional athlete has to be, you know, 100% committed. I know these, oh, I'm 110. No, no nobody's 110%. If you're 110%, it means you weren't trying hard enough before. You're 100% committed to these sort of things. And, um, yeah, it's, it's difficult because you don't see, you don't see him winning. So you don't see that mentality and the attitude and that persona for him. So, but you hear the radio calls and you hear the voice and you hear the concern and you just feel the disconnect right like that vibe you've always had that though haven't you when he hasn't been winning and when somebody's been getting the better of him he's always been put it bluntly bitching to uh bono pete bonnington his race engineer on the radio oh you know this is no good with tires of the all this yeah that's the thing but you know, that they work through it. I, I think fundamentally Lewis is on the radio. And I, I don't read too much into what happens on the radio with Lewis because he does have that manner on, a radio, on the radio that is not, it's not really what the engineers want to hear. And I think he, from what I understand, uh, and a lot of drivers are like this, this isn't unique to Lewis. He has a very, very close inner circle of people he works with, and, and, and Pete Bonington and James Vowles, and um, you know, guys like that at the Mercedes teams. Uh, Mercedes team are those sort of close confidants and close circle of people he has, and they they're basically fifty percent engineer, fifty percent babysitter uh, or counselor, you know, um, and and these guys. And I think what you've got to realize is these guys as well are at such a level that they want to be running at 100% all the time. But Formula One these days isn't like that. You can't run at 100% for 70 laps of a Grand Prix and push the car to the limit. And that annoys and frustrates the drivers because that's what they're paid to do, basically, and that's what they want to do. So for guys on the radio, you, you know, their job is to, in some cases, uh, Lewis is a prime example, to you know, coach them through the weekend or through the race and, you know, comfort them and, and you know, enable them to to deliver their maximum performance. And, you know, same with, you know, Hamilton and Bono, the hammer time sort of thing, when, you know, that's the sort of thing that inspires and gets Hamilton going. And, you know, 
doesn't really matter these days, you know, when they're running around where they are, you can, you know, you can't do that every lap and that's what they want to do because they want to go quick. I've got to double check this, but you talk about records that Lewis still has to break. I actually don't think he has the fast lap record. I actually think Kimi Raikkonen has that record. I think. What, most fastest laps? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. Last I saw, he had like 49 or something like that. I know Schumacher had a ton too. But Kimi and the McLaren back in like, what, 04, 05? I mean, if it wasn't for mechanical failures, I mean, Kimi's probably a two- or three-time world champion, and we don't even know who Fernando Alonso is right now. And I, I think the problem is that uh, statistic of, of fastest laps is going to be skewed now because obviously with there being a point on offer, you know, you often see, you know, people, you know, coming into the pits to stick on a, you know, a fresh set of tyres just to get that fastest lap, whereas historically they may not have done that. So... I think going forward, that that statistic is going to be a little bit skewed. It's almost like comparing points, you know, between previous, you know, point system generations, and say, well, if we if we score everybody in 1960 like we score in 2022, then this would be how many points they have. But of course, drivers drive differently when there's tenth battling for a point compared to tenth battling not to drive off the edge of a cliff. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you you you. Adjust your game to the rules. Yeah. You know, so if, there, if there's a point on the line, you're gonna you're gonna go for it. If, if yeah, not, so it, yeah, yeah. Where they they say, oh, this would be the NASCAR standings if we applied Formula One points and vice versa. It's like it's stupid because nobody the, the drivers would drive completely differently. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, that reminds me of the one Facebook group that does like the Formula One standings on Arc. It's like. I know it's for jokes and giggles on a, at the end oh, of the yeah. day, but who cares, really? Yeah. In that sense, yeah, like I, I know what you, you know, I, I know what you mean, Joe. In terms of, you know, what drives him, what motivates him? Is he there to check off the boxes when it comes to, you know, results and you know championships and records, or is he there? You know, I, I think the most successful guys and the most dominant guys are the ones are the ones that don't look at that. They're the ones that look at the individual instances and you know they want to be the they want to win a race and then if they sorry go ahead if they concentrate on the races then the championships will take care of themselves and i think that's where the best drivers come i don't think they look at obviously certain situations you know they look at the bigger picture when it comes to you know how many points they need and you know alan prosper is a prime example of that but you know I, i think that uh some of the guys you know, they just look purely, uh, you know, week to week and performance to performance and lap to lap almost. And that's what motivates them. And I think that's where the the, the, the true greats sort of rise up. Yeah, I, I just I just have an overgrowing sense of, of just seeing the, the picture with him, the body language, the radio calls and all the things that kind of engulf what's going on with that situation right now. And there's just a sense of complacency and, and, and being content and you know, that's not going to win you another championship right now. No, it's almost, yeah, but it's difficult though. I mean, what he's probably sat there thinking, well, what more can he do? You know, he's, and it is difficult for a driver when you've been in that position, I'm sure, where you are dominating for, you know, the good part of nearly 10 years in total through that hybrid era to suddenly being in a situation where you're doing your job, you're driving as well as you ever have, um, but you're not getting results purely because of, external issues that must be very very hard to be motivated and because you know the development cycles of these cars and 
the fundamental understanding of where they need to improve that Mercedes is probably limited. Uh, it must be very, very difficult to get back to that place and to have that, um, you know, mentality. Humbling. Yeah, exactly. See, if you think about it, like Russell is, you know, happy as can be to be running in fourth or fifth or, you know, or maybe with a shot at a podium, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. To, to Lewis, that's, you know, that's he's usually, you know, running first or second. I mean, golly, how I think he, if Mercedes he's got, he's had got a, a hundred and some wins. And, a, yeah. Yeah. Oh, if Mercedes had a car capable of winning races, I think you'd see Hamilton being a lot more competitive to Russell and, and maybe even outperforming him. I think it's that mentality, though, more than anything. The, the updates moving forward are going to be interesting to see how that progresses since his input's going to help provide direction for those updates. I'm really curious where this progresses as the season goes on, for sure. And it, well, it's going to be interesting as well because these are, you know, these cars are so different. What, um, you know, well, what input are they providing? You know, it's not like historical input on, the way these cars work, you know, are they able to, um, is he able to provide that feedback on these ground effect cars? Who knows? Time will tell. Now, Louise, you've been quiet over there. Yeah. So <laughs> that's usually Richard's phrase, but, uh, what have, uh, <laughs> what are, uh, what are your summer thoughts, uh, on Miami? I know, I know you had a chance to watch I- it and, uh, I wish I could give you genuine thoughts about the race, but I feel like the race was uh, on social media and the bickerness and bitterness that it, that is out there. No surprise, but boy, it grew horrendously bad to the point that I just wanted no part of it. To me, I'm a, I'm a guy that's like, if it's this, if this is an attempt to grow F1 in America with the viewership of 2 million, they're winning the demo over NASCAR. By a good amount, by a good hundred thousand plus, well more than a hundred thousand. Let this is just let them have their fruit, their fruitful nature. I understand why IndyCar fans are upset. I understand why NASCAR fans are upset. For me, it's like, let, yeah, it. Let's just. I just want to enjoy good wholesome racing as best I can. Enjoy. See if it does. If the Miami Circuit produces a great product, did it? Not necessarily to the point that some people felt like this was easily one of the worst races of the season so far. I'll be able to see how Catalonia goes in a couple of weeks because that's next. But yes, it was all about spectacle, which I, okay, it, it is what it is. You want to get large people, but then I heard rumblings. There's some potential companies that might be interested, may not come back because you have that first race jitters to you know how it's or how organized how flawed it is as far as organizational and structural standpoints we saw that in nashville probably saw that in coda when f1 came along in 2012 this is it's literally nothing new but the fact that you have all i heard is just all the prices yeah we ever that's beating on a dead horse at this point and then oh like you should know x y and c before you go on to the grid or x or x y c you should know it's like if they don't know the sport or they don't know who it is or they make an honest, simple mistake like Martin Brunner confusing Patrick Mahomes with a Duke basketball player that's Italian that also so happened to be in Seattle. And no, I will not talk about the Seahawks nor the Mariners in this program. Let's carry on with that. It's just like, for me, I just want to enjoy the race. The fact that people were talking about what qualifies you as a reporter, what qualifies you as an expert, it's just 
it's just pathetic and sad. There's so many things people should be worrying about than just stuff that's out of your control. Worry about yeah, your exactly. Are people worried about who who's considered a celebrity? You know what I mean? It's like it's like so worry what? About so what? Your, this guy's yeah, a director. Worry about getting your facts right, like Team Penske's first win of the season, quote unquote, which is not. <laughs> and then there were some people that were not thrilled that it was Danica Patrick doing the uh, the 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 um, post qualifying interviews. You know, nor so, Willie T. Reds doing the post race for that matter. I mean, you know, Willie T. Ribs was hired by the Grand Prix as as one of their ambassadors. So was Danica. You know what I mean? And those both those folks, in my mind, are you know, they're, they're both very important people in racing for a couple of different reasons. But uh, yeah, it no just it's, it, see it. see see Louise, your problem is you followed it too much on Twitter because you know <laughs> people just like to bitch and then they like no, to, we know. Yeah, and then, 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 the youngest of the panel here. Yeah, yeah, but they, you know, they just like to get their thought known to, to say, "Oh, I didn't find this Paolo because I want you to think that I'm smarter than you," or, or you know. So, I mean, whatever. But yeah, but but to your point, yeah, I just want to see the race. Yeah, exactly. At the end, they was it great? No, but was it? Did will it move the needle to increasing audience in America? Well, time will tell, and we'll see if with next year with Miami and also when Vegas comes along because that also is going to be the big the big thing but yeah if you, if you thought Miami was a spectacle where do we get to Vegas because more so that is towards the very end of the year it's obviously not the finale because Abu Dhabi is locked up to I think 2030 I think that's the finale so we'll see how that goes but that's just my two cents on the whole ordeal of the takeaway of the Grand Prix and as far as Verstappen, I think, yeah, people, at least people were up, saw a battle for the lead, even if it was very brief with Charles and Max early in the going. So we'll see how they improve on the Grand Prix and hopefully they get around some of the kinks. But some people said that the race wasn't all that great, that it made rival Soki and maybe worse than Soki. But we'll see how the second year go, comes along. Yeah, well, the good news, yeah, yeah, but 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 the good news though is the promoters seem to be very open to any feedback on what changes can be made to the course, and so they're willing to do just you know just about whatever Formula One recommends. And you know, to Richard's point, it's not really hard to change it since it's a temporary circuit in the parking lot. You know, they 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 can you know make a couple of tweaks to some of the turns there, get get a couple of different barriers in there, and um, just kind of just really listen. To what's being presented to them by the drivers and the uh, the sanctioning body, and you know, because these guys they've got a lot on the line, they've invested a lot in this thing, and they, they want this uh, thing to continue. You know, they don't want to be a, a a one and done or or you know three or years end up or, like Valencia, yeah. Valencia to where they have this nice, interesting circuit and now it looks like a dump. It's a parking lot for used car or new cars, isn't it? That come off the ports in Valencia. I mean, I don't think it was that bad a race. I, I really don't understand all the criticism of it. I think people are just criticizing it because it's a cheap shot. Um, yeah, fundamentally, it, it, it was a could, pretty good race. It could well be, but then again, like with Emil, I enjoyed despite all the all the uproar about DRS. Like we actually got to see how they were run without it, like in its natural ability of the car. Yeah, but I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd, Again, people are, I, a personal opinion here, I, I think people are, are being, you know, overly critical here. Um, and, yeah. 
you know, you take a race what it is and the, the competition that it is and the contest that it is. And, you know, the, the drivers can only drive the track you give them. And fundamentally, it's a half-decent track with some, you know, reasonable, you know, overtaking opportunities. I mean, you don't want this to be like a super speedway race where you get a lead no. change every five minutes. You want the best guys to be out front. You want the best guys to, you know, in the best equipment and the best prepared teams to, to be successful. And I think that's what you're getting. I, I, yeah, I, I don't have an issue with the race results. I thought it was pretty good. No, I, I thought I thought it was pretty good too. Yeah, but see, like I say, in context, as a Formula One race, right? If you grew up watching plate racing from Talladega, this may not be your cup of tea. You know, that's where that's where you, yeah. a lot of a lot of these people that say, "Oh, Formula One is boring." Well, it's boring because you're not really paying attention to the nuances. And even, you know, even to an extent, IndyCar fans that say we need more ovals because all the road course races are boring. Well, they're not. I don't find them boring. But then again, you see, I grew up watching road racing and I understand the strategies and and the nuances. And and if a guy dominates a race and pulls out a five second lead, I I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that performance you know and, and you know and watching something truly grand but uh, again not everybody is you know not everybody likes the same thing so but uh i feel like overall you know despite what uh the naysayers on twitter are saying i, I feel like the way race was you know rather well received yeah yeah i i mean the viewing figures were good which is the the the, the, the aim of the game really in many many ways yeah you know i it's one of the hard things, isn't it, that all motorsport has, you know, is to highlight skills of these drivers. You know, it's not like a, you know, a hockey player or a basketball player or a soccer player. Or, you know, you can see the skills that these players possess firsthand. And 90% of us out there have all tried to play these sports and probably fallen flat on our asses and made a complete idiot of ourselves. So we appreciate the skills involved in some of those you know, bat and ball sports uh, and the like. Um, but none of us have ever tried to drive a car at 220 miles an hour, three inches from a wall, and then stop it to 50 miles an hour and under 100 metres. And, you know, we all turn around and say, well, that was, not, that was boring. You know, because we don't, we don't have a reference point in our own mind. It's very difficult. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we're off to, uh, we got a week off from Formula 1, right? While we pack up and head back to Europe. Yep. Uh, yes. So, yep. Yeah, yeah. We're back in Barcelona. People complain that uh, Milan was a boring race. Wait for Barcelona. Wait for Barcelona. Yeah. Thing. We so. don't. We'll. We don't know yet. We'll see what this. It's the ultimate test for the car by their standards. We'll see what they produce. It may. We'll, we'll see. But at the end of the day, it, at the end of the day, it was it a success in terms of viewership and. Uh, all across the world, all, aside from the eliminate the racing quality itself, but was it a success? Yes, I say it was a success. They got some polishing to do, like maybe add some marina this next year. That's some, some, a lot. So some, some real water. Well, I was afraid. Of, I, I was afraid a car was going to end up in the harbor. Uh, <laughs> so, but you know, but the real the real test is because they you know sold this thing out before you know whatever happened. Uh, this year, the real test is going to be a year from now. See how many fans come back for a second go. See if they, if they sell it out again. 
yeah, that's going to be yeah. the ultimate test. There's some rumblings that some may not be back, especially companies, because of how some stuff were, were run. Like the apparently the Paddock Club wasn't. It's, that's not the same people that has that they run in Europe. It's completely different folks. So they're not. So to some that have been to those Paddock Clubs, I have no idea because I don't have the budget of Carlos Slim to do it. <laughs> if I did, I I tell you by experience, but. But we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting mystery how that goes next year. But all Hollywood was a success. I just kind of like was just fed up with social media at the end of this weekend more than ever, just because of the whole just unwarranted drama. It might be. It's unwarranted. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody wants to. You know, Formula One is 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 experiencing some success in America and, and a resurgence in America. Well, you know, I don't want to say a resurgence, maybe just a <laughs> surgence because it's always been kind of uh, a little bit off the, off the radar in the U S you know, say for uh, like in about 78 when Mario was winning the championship. Uh, but uh, even then formula one was small potatoes compared to the, you know, the empire it is now. Um, but yeah, so um yeah, people are just, you know, I think there's some jealousy. Yeah, uh, that, you know, exactly. And, and Somebody exactly, said it yeah. That's what it is, in my opinion. Yep. It's just a, a, like outright bitterness to, to the point that we're just complaining about the, the grid walk, which is nothing new. It's like, was it awkward? Yes. Do we expect Bruno to know some of these celebrities? No, because he's a racing pundit, as they call yeah, him. Yeah, he doesn't know Megan the Stallion. Or, <laughs> you know, she's like, she's the one from what was that in? Um, that was Coda. And Coda, yeah, that she she made a big deal about, you know. Yeah, it's like you don't know me or whatever. Yeah, but so what? My yeah, Martin Brundle doesn't listen to uh, top forty music. I'm sure the you fact know, that I'm, he <laughs> knows the fact that he knows who by name Patrick Mahomes just kind of shows you that that outside of Tom Brady, that Patrick Mahomes was known outside of the states. Which not many NFL players can claim that at the moment. No, no, absolutely not. So, all right. So let's move on. Let's talk about um, NASCAR for a bit. NASCAR was in Darlington for the throwback weekend, the weekend they used to be on Labor Day. Now it's on Mother's Day. Uh, and again, uh, you know, NASCAR breaking all the rules. They raced on Easter. Now they've raced on Mother's Day. Um, <laughs> you know, they typically run on on. Sometimes on Mother's Day, yeah. Well, like, well, a lot of times on the Saturday. True, like the yeah. like a when it used to run like the the Southern Five Hundred that is today when they had they switched it from fall to the spring when it was like the Dodge Adventure Four Five Hundred for the first few years after the move, but yeah. and also the Winston at Atlanta of '86 that nobody showed up. Then they went back to Charlotte up until the pandemic led to so on and so forth. And now we're in Texas. Oh, okay. All right. Man, man, you just made my head hurt. Uh, so, but anyway, so Joey Legato won the race, um, kind of pushes his way into the win. Now, Joey Barnes, I know you've got some thoughts on this, uh, since your namesake there won the race. And, uh, uh, we had talked about it a little bit, uh, you know, off the air before we started, but, uh, yeah, let me have, uh, you chime in on your thoughts. Um, uh, you know, yet another, uh, NASCAR race ending with, uh, with a guy dumping another one for the win. Do you want the good version of, of Joey Barnes or do you want the honest version of Joey? Barnes? I, you know, I prefer the honest version, Joey, you know? Okay. Uh, well, uh, I thought it was a bullshit move. 
uh, just to be honest, uh, it just, you're coming to the white flag. You're already on his bumper. Uh, there's no need to make a move like that. And if you're going to make it, you could have made it on the last lap. Uh, instead, you put him in a, in a position to not only lose second, uh, but, you know, you end up, where do you end up finishing? Third, fourth, something like that. Um, so, so you cost him more than, than what you needed to cost him, too. And I just I looked at it as unnecessary. And it just it's a continuation. It's a theme. Um, and just from my eyes, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with Byron entirely with some of the words he used about the way he's winning is just by driving through people. Um, you know, I know that we're supposed to be unbiased and all that, but we're also supposed to be analysts too. And just kind of like, look at what we see and observe. And frankly, right now, uh, that was a move that felt like desperation. It felt like desperation because frankly, he hasn't been running up front consistently uh, every week. And this was an opportunity that he wanted to see. So he's going to do it. And he doesn't care if he has to dump someone in the process. And I, I get that like, look, I'm an IndyCar guy, right? Like we don't, we don't typically race like that uh, in our side and we don't have fenders and all that stuff, but there's still a level of how you're supposed to respect somebody with how you race them. Um, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of warning. There wasn't, you know, bumping the signal, Hey, I'm here. There was just a straight up dump. And um, to me, that's, that's a bullshit move. Um, and frankly, <laughs> I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but man, if I'm in Byron's shoes, uh, you better have a whole lot of people holding me back because I, I promise you he wouldn't be able to walk back to victory lane after doing the whole celebration at the uh, start-finish line. So uh, I'd be pretty heated, uh, and I'm just kind of shocked that all he had to do was talk about it. I, if, That's the only criticism I have about people nowadays that when they get dumped or when they're upset with how somebody raced them, I, I get that a bunch of sponsors in this and I get that they're trying to be careful with certain things, but you know what, at some point you've got to throw caution to the wind and actually show somebody how you feel. You can't just shove somebody whine about it and turn away. Like you got to go literally show someone how you feel. Um, and in that sense, I'm kind of shocked that Byron didn't um, cause I certainly probably would have. Yeah, so now, see, now what I wonder, because, you know, we're seeing more and more of these guys just drive through somebody in the last lap for a win. You know, we've seen it a couple times this year. But, I mean, is that is that a byproduct of the playoff format where you win and you're in? So, you know, if you're you're on the outside looking in uh, in the points here, right? And uh, But you, you've got a shot. Hey, man, if I win this thing, if I win this thing today, I don't have to fool that. Until you know, until we get down to the to the last uh, ten races of the year, and uh, to get that get that you know off my plate and out of the way, I'll, I'll know that I'm in. So I wonder if that you know has a uh, has more guys just being just a little more aggressive to uh, you know because because if you're running for points, right? Back in the day, like we did before the playoffs, uh, you'd be you know you'd be smarter to hold off for a second place points than to risk, you know, spinning yourself by pushing a guy out of the way. I mean, just, just, just my two cents. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And maybe there, there is some truth to that being a byproduct of, of the formats, creating this kind of necessity style of racing that these drivers feel. Um, and maybe that's part of it. It's probably a good amount of it actually, but, and, and certainly NASCAR is getting what they want, right? Like now you can, you can milk this radio segment thing and all these post-race scenes for the next three or four days until we get to Kansas, because Lord knows you're not going to get a whole lot out of Kansas. 
Um, so, <laughs> you know, you just, you know, when you look at Bristol, that was expected because it's Bristol, right? And you come to Darlington, it's pretty narrow. You're going to have to probably do something to get around somebody. And it might be a nudge. I just don't think you do it on the second to last lap. I think if you want to do that on the last lap, final corner, because you're on there or coming out of two, I understand it on the last lap. I don't understand it on the second to last lap, especially when you already had the pace and Byron was already out of shape. Like it was evident. You look at the in-car footage of that and it's just, it's obvious. And that's part of the reason why I think that that part, why I keep calling it a bullshit move. But when you look at this championship format, yeah, uh, you've got to be more aggressive, but equally you could argue that, you know, compare this era of driver to the era of, you know, back in the day, there's a different, there's, how do I say this without being a total dick? Um, (laughs) We can just call you that. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, look, when you look at the way that a lot of people have, have been come up, there was a little bit more of a blue collar mentality back in the day, a different economic class where you literally had to shove your way to get opportunities and I don't necessarily think that when you look at a field of drivers right now and the cup series in particular, you know, a lot of them are paid drivers. Like those sponsors, they're able to find the money and they're able to do things. So that ride's assured and they're not having to work their way up to get the eye of a team owner to put them in a seat because they've got the sponsor, because they've got everything. And it's just a matter of trying to push that way to the right opportunity so, guys nowadays are racing like they're in a video game and you know there's not really a whole lot of second thought for what you do to somebody and frankly like you know Harvick touched on that in the past with how people race nowadays and and I think that's pretty true I think he mentioned something like that on the Dale Jr. download so um, yeah Jerry quick question for you And, and this revolves around all motorsport series not just cup racing Okay. But do you think it's because the, and I think we've mentioned this on the show before, as the safety levels have improved in the sport, some of these younger drivers don't necessarily understand or appreciate the risks that they're involved in because they've never seen the tragedies that we've seen with, you know, um, uh, you know, the, the Dan Weldon sort of accidents and the Justin Wilson accidents and the, they learn her accident from the center style accidents. You know, people are becoming immune to the dangers. Um, and as you say, the video game generation, you know, in a video game, you pile into as many people as you possibly can. Uh, I just wonder, you know, if that's playing into it at all. I mean, you play chicken with the train enough at some point, the train. Oh, exactly. Right? Oh no, no, for sure. For sure. It's, it's going to happen. But I wonder if, if that sort of, you know, mentality is coming into play. They, these kids growing up through the through the, the the feeder series haven't, to put it bluntly, have had the bell rung often enough to realize also, what danger they can do. I think oh no, absolutely, I, I, Richard. I agree with you 100 that you've got a whole generation of of drivers that are desensitized to the fact that somebody could die out there, right? Because it's been because yeah. it's been a long time since somebody has actually died out there. But yeah. um, I say it's a yeah. generational thing, and also exactly, yeah. Attention span is not as great as it once was, and I think I, I, I think that was one of the things I mentioned in a piece after the 2018 Daytona 500 in a column, to where I feel like it's a generational thing because you didn't see guys like Jared Labonte and those guys do dumb I mean, stuff like that. They were more of a methodical approach. 
right in the back, and then when it's ready, and if the car is good enough and they're not wrecked, go for it. Here's the crazy thing to me, though. This era of driver, the majority of this field, I want to say, I say majority lightly, I mean, maybe half the field, they've seen Austin Dillon end up in the fence and scattered all over. They've seen Eric Almirola end up breaking his back at Kansas a few years Ryan back, Neiman. if you all remember. Like, so it's not like there yeah. hasn't been extreme incidents where you look but at that and happened? go, it, Ryan they Newman's don't... situation, right? Like, yeah. the, that's existed in this generation but it still but costs you. Right, but, but all those guys have walked away. Yeah. They're, they're like, you know, and, and, and I don't want to, you know, I've got to be careful what I say, but remember the, you know, when Austin Dillon had his accident, I mean, I remember it. I was working with him at the time, and it was at like one o'clock in the morning or something, wasn't it? It was very late at night. It was the, yeah. it was the summer Daytona race, wasn't it? I thought it was and like it going to three or four in the morning. I don't know. It was getting pretty late. Like I remember that. that it was, it was and, rather late, yeah. You know, he gets out the car and he, he's making all these, like, not being disrespectful, stupid hand gestures, you know. And it's like, come on, dude, you know, you you could have been killed here. And, you know, show some, like, I don't know. I don't know. It just, to me, it was a strange sort of, you know. And, and you know, you saw it with Lewis Hamilton and, and uh, Max Verstappen at Silverstone last year. I mean, we all knew Max was okay fundamentally. And, yeah, he went to hospital for checkups, which... You know, it's pretty routine under those circumstances, but there's no sort of, and I'm sure there is off screen, you know, um, concern for your competitor, but, you know, it didn't come across that way. And I thought Lewis could, you know, being the senior driver that he is, could have, you know, done something a little bit more there. Yeah, could have checked on Max. Yeah. So anyway, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but we've got a couple other topics I want to touch on. And uh, one of those being that we, we did get the 33rd edgy for the Indy 500, and that'll be uh, Stefan Wilson. Uh, so the, so we've got 33. Probably won't get to 34. Uh, you know, I've got a little I've got a little intel on the Top Gun situation, and, and the way that whole thing, uh, as it stands right now, is that that car, the, 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 they have a one fully assembled car and one car in pieces, has been... Uh, return to the Enersons, um, who's who the original owners of it. So, um, RC Enerson and you know, along with his dad Neil, intend to run a couple of road courses later in the year, just like uh, Peretta Motorsports. But Top Gun is also saying that they're looking at running a couple of races later in the season, you know, with a driver to be named with a car they're going to get from somebody. Um, and and that car likely may come from, uh, Carlin, you know, or they're, you know, the Carlin slash Yunkos. The Yunkos is sitting on a couple of extra chassis after the 500. So they're talking like they still want to get in the game. Um, so we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, the pace car driver for the 500 will be Sarah Fisher, which I, I'm quite pleased with that choice. You know, I, I uh, a lot of times they'll have a celebrity or, or you know, or a older driver, you know, come back and you know, they've had Jeff Gordon in the past and Dario and they've had Roger Penske and you know, it's Donald Trump uh, drive the pace car. But uh, we've got Sarah Fisher, which I believe is a great choice. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for Sarah, uh, what she's done. And then we are isn't off. She, isn't she the, the female with the most Indy 500 starts? Did I read? Nine. Uh, Nine. Yep. Uh, yeah, Danica's got to be right up there, though. 
Danica, she's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah, Danica's probably got seven. So yeah, yeah, she's got the most Indy 500 stars. She's also the uh, woman who's posted the fastest qualifying speed in Indianapolis as well. That was it, yeah. Yep. So that's uh, that's another one of her stats. But I mean, if you ever had a chance to meet Sarah or just talk to her, she is just a wonderful person. She really is. She she's she's got she's got a great personality. She's very outgoing. Um, she's she's very intelligent. Um, very focused. And I just I, I you know I'm really pleased that they're giving her this honor of being the pace car driver. Although she has you know driven the pace car at the 500 numerous times, you know, during the race, but, but, but she'll be the, you know, the celebrity pace car driver for the opening laps. And I think then after that, it'll, it'll go to, um, I believe Oriel Servia is the guy that does it this day and age. So, <clears throat> and then we are off to the GMR Grand Prix of Indianapolis. So we've got, uh, just a couple of minutes. We can make a, a pick for the, um, the Indy Grand Prix and we can make a pick for Kansas. If we'll just go around the table here, I'll start with you, Louise. Let's see. For Kansas, let's go with Alex Bowman. And as far as the GMR Grand Prix, Will Power. All right. And uh, Richard? Uh, for Indianapolis, let's go with Roman Grosjean. Roman Grosjean. Yeah, he did really well there last year. So, and yeah, he did, didn't he? Yeah, Joey? Um. Indy GP, I mean, since power's already off the table, uh, um, I actually like Jack Harvey. I think this is a good opportunity for him to go to his favorite track uh, that he runs well at and uh, do something special there with Ray Hall Letterman Lane again, maybe, and get his first win. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, Harvey's done well there, too. And with that being said, another guy who's done well there, and it's also his favorite track, uh, Renus VK, I'm going to go with him. And then for Kansas, I'll go with, I don't know. You're going to pick Logano? Hmm. <laughs> no, I was, I was thinking more along the lines of Kyle Larson. It's a good pick. Yeah. I didn't make it. So I didn't, let's I didn't go, go on a little bit. Joey, who do you like for Kansas? Let's go Kyle Bush. He just had a kid. He isn't going to be able to miss the race. I think he's going to have himself a good end of the week. Yeah, it's got to be better than last week where he just left his car in the middle of pit lane. And strolled off from it. Yeah, we didn't talk about that, but yeah, that was a. Uh, we really did talk about the race. How and Rochester Stain was looked like he had a shot of winning, and then he had another turn two set episode like he did in Xfinity in eighteen. Yeah. All right. So, well, we are out of time. So I want to thank Dan Blay Racing Artwork uh, for uh, being our sponsor. Find them on Facebook. Get your uh, IndyCar custom diecast made of uh, whatever driver you'd like that you can't find in the store. Also want to thank Mark Dill and Legend of the First Super Speedway. FirstSuperSpeedway.com is where you'll find them. I want to thank Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you, Joey, Louise, and Richard. And I want to thank you folks who listen to us week in and week out. But now we are into the month of May. We are getting ready for the Indy 500 Monaco Grand Prix coming up. Um, the, you know, the Charlotte uh, race. Um, they still call it the Coca-Cola 600. Yep. It's yeah, yep. still been the Coke 600 for pushing 35 or so years now. All right. So we haven't changed that yet. So anyway, but until next week, everybody. Good night. Who? 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 Who?
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 